I'm Harry Nichols. This is Kid Stuff. independent artist and English teacher living and working in upstate New York. And on this podcast, I'm sitting down with fellow creative people to talk about their own adolescence and how they formed into the people they are today. This time around, I got to sit down with Melanie and Rich of Circe, an upstate New York-based power duo producing proper rock and roll music and putting on unique live shows all over the damn country. The Boston Globe called them a little band with a big sound, and I think that's pretty accurate. This was a fun one for me because I got to sit down with a full ensemble for the first time, even though it's only two people. And we had a lovely conversation. Uh, before we get to that, I want to mention a couple things. First of all, my acapella group Megaverse were a bunch of robot acapella people singing robot songs to the known universe. Uh, they just put out a brand new song called Hearts on Fire back in February. You should absolutely check that out if you get a chance. I also want to mention that I have a brand new ensemble as well. It's called Fusebox. We are a trio a band with a live looping twist. So we're putting out sort of like indie pop and rock tunes and we're using a, a loop pedal to make things kind of interesting for ourselves and hopefully for you. So if that sounds like something that you want to get into, why don't you go ahead and follow at Fusebox Music on Facebook, Insta, and TikTok. All right, and I think that just about covers it for me this time. Why don't we get on to talking to Melanie and Rich of Circe. Melanie and Rich of Circe, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. For listeners who might uh, not be familiar with Circe, like, how would you, uh, maybe we could take this individually too, but um, how would you each describe who you are as creative people to somebody who doesn't know? Uh, well, I could tell you that as a collective, Cersei is a band. Uh, we are married and um, we are a band that tours the country and plays mostly original music. Uh, we co-write the music. I typically write the lyrics. We co-write the music. Mm-hmm. I'm the singer and drummer and I play piano. Rich plays all the string things, guitars and basses and things. But who we are individually that's interesting. I don't know that we've ever well, answered that. Yeah. Well, creatively, being in a band, the music is, is one aspect of it. But, you know, as performers, there's another aspect as well, you know, especially for me. I mean, I come from a theater background and Melanie can tell you she does as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a certain aspect to performing. Uh, it's not just about standing there and making sure you're playing all the right chords and, and all the right parts of the songs, but there's, there's a performance aspect where you're trying to, uh, you know, put forth something towards the audience and music is, is kind of unique in that you get a little bit of interaction back instantly. Like if you're in a play uh, and you get interaction back, that's generally bad, (laughs) Um, you know, or, you know, if you're an actor of some sort in movies or TV, you don't often get a direct uh, interaction with the audience. Um, so that's an important uh, uh, creative fulfillment for me is just having that uh, interaction. And also just being in a band, an indie band, especially you're involved in marketing. I mean, today we were just designing t-shirts and, and trying to find things that uh, 
would be appealing uh, the, to, you know, to people for the band. Yeah. So you get to be a graphic artist as well. Yes. A marketing person. Yes. That's a really good point. You bring up about the theater thing. Um, this podcast being called Kids Stuff. I too was in theater groups as a kid and in lots of plays. And that is definitely an important aspect of what makes me me as an artist. I also, with you being an English teacher, Harry, I also, that was my favorite subject in school. I used to love creative writing. Um, and so that definitely comes into play when I get to write lyrics for the band. Writing the lyrics is a very important part of the process for me. And I feel like I get to use a lot of that creative writing stuff when I do that. I love that. So you you both mentioned this, like this performance aspect, right? You come mm -hmm. from these musical theater roots mm -hmm. and something that is also something that I kind of noticed as I was looking through some of the videos you sent me and things is that you really have this. And I think it's one of the real markers of people that it's one of the big dividers between bands that I that I find more successful and bands that are just kind of like hometown kind of kind of things uh, would not no not to knock that at all because that's me but um, you know uh, but I've noticed that there tends to be this ability to not only play the notes and to play well but to like perform to have this persona and I think a natural part of that is like a certain confidence you both strike me as the, ha having this real confidence on stage as you're performing these songs which is really cool and um you know is that is that a confidence that you've always had <laughs> and if not where did it develop uh, you want to take this first uh sure uh no uh and you know, a lot of the performance aspect is, I don't want to say faking that confidence, but, you know, you kind of kind of got to puff yourself up a little bit uh, when you go on stage. Uh, I think a lot of uh, artists are inherently, I want to say shy, but maybe just don't have that, that confidence. Um, and you kind of try to set that aside. I mean, as a kid, I was always a little bit brassy and, and loud. But uh, I feel like I wasn't really involved in music and theater until I think ninth grade. Uh, and there was per very first person I met uh, the very first day of high school sat behind me. His name was Steve. And he said, you know, hi, my name is Steve. I play guitar. You should get a bass and we can form a band and meet girls, uh, which we did. Uh, and uh, I don't know if we necessarily met any girls because we were pretty <laughs> geeky. Uh, but it, it set me on that path. And also uh, the two of us decided to audition for a play at the school. Uh, and we had some pretty minor parts. It was, uh, I think it was an Agatha Christie play, Don't Drink the Water. Uh, and we played uh, Keystone Cops. <laughs> and it was a non-speaking role, but we kind of came out, we had our our costumes on and I never will forget that feeling of first walking out on stage and having the entire crowd laugh. I felt like this warmness coming over my body, you mm -hmm. know, uh, and just that uh, feedback once again from the audience, I think gives you the confidence uh, to yeah. kind of go out and do it again. Yeah, totally. I would say for me, uh, no, and I did not always have that confidence for sure. Uh, I often still don't have any confidence. I am riddled with self-doubt. 
Uh, literally just got off the computer with my therapist a little while ago, as a matter of fact. So perfect. Um, yeah. So I struggle with self-doubt and self-criticism all the time, just like everyone I'm sure does. And I struggle to find that confidence. I write lyrics often, not always, but often about resilience and empowerment because I try to pay forward what I want to be. Like I try mm. to put forth that good example because we have people of all ages watching us and I want to, um, I don't know, help people with our music. And so, um, but yeah, like you said, you get the confidence from the crowd and that's mm. interesting. I'm always nervous before we go on stage hundred mm. percent of the time, no matter how often we do this, I'm always nervous. But by the second song, I find my groove um, because you get that feedback from the crowd and you realize, okay, we're all in this together. So it's going to be okay. Yeah. I remember, I remember also like my early performances. I also, by the way, started in theater. I always felt like when I was younger, I always, that, that, um, that adrenaline was like almost painful. Right. Do you, yes. do you still get that feeling where like the oh, adrenaline yeah. is pumping so hard that it's like, I get like a, like I, I don't like I've never like almost thrown up on stage. That would be a nightmare. But uh, <laughs> but like I definitely get like a like a real like pain, like like upper gastric pain. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I can't eat a lot before I go on stage mm-hmm, or sometimes mm-hmm. at all. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so just like and, and it kind of just like rackets all through your whole body. And then it's just like Melanie, it's like you say, like by a certain amount into the performance, then you just kind of like adjust right but it you can like finally exhale like the first couple songs are a little bit like and sometimes we start with the same kind of songs every time because we that's like our comfort zone and we know that we can do that song and then we can exhale you know we just like we need to kind of like almost do that yeah like a foundation yeah (laughs) that's really smart yeah yeah i feel like yeah I i should learn to do that had a really, really great music teacher. I was very lucky to be in a school that had a very good music program um, and theater program and teachers that spent their spare time doing that, which was super lucky. Um, And I had a music teacher named Mr. Gooba, uh, who still to this day is one of my heroes. And he heard me singing in choir or something and pulled me aside and gave me a couple of lessons after school, which he did not charge my parents for because they could not have afforded it. And he convinced me to try out for the school play in the fourth grade. I never would have done it on my own. I never would have done it on my own. And he he encouraged me and I ended up getting the lead part in, in the school play and, um, was able to be this entirely different person on stage. This person who was loud and confident and all these things that I wasn't normally. And it was cool. How did it feel to get the lead in the first play that you auditioned for after 
being afraid to audition for a play. Do you remember? Uh, was it Annie? It was Alice in Alice in oh, Wonderland. Alice. Um, I did play Annie, though. Oh, um, it was a lot of work. There were a lot of lights to memorize. I was nervous. I didn't want to let anyone down. But it was the first time in my life that I ever felt like... Um, I don't know, maybe I was special in some way or could do something that, you know, I, I loved doing the thing, that thing. And all of a sudden somebody wanted me to do it. So it was cool. I wonder what your take on the importance of, you know, feeling like you have a skill, an ability, something you're good at, right? As a young person, <laughs> um, I wonder what impact you feel like that had throughout your full adolescence. So like thinking through like, you know, anywhere from 12 all the way up through the end of like high school and stuff. Um, was that something that you sort of clung to and identified by? Was it a little different? What it's definitely something that helped me pursue this in my life, just being, uh, you know, a creative person. Uh, like Melanie, I had a lot of encouragement, you know, in high school from teachers. We had one theater teacher all through high school, Mr. Cartier, and he was very uh, encouraging, not only to me, uh, but he was definitely a, a, a strong influence. And it was very, it was, I would say it was very important in giving me that confidence and, and thinking that we could go forward. And a lot of, a lot of that uh, feeling like it was a, a skill that I had going forward definitely helped me to keep going uh, because, you know, any kind of artistic or creative endeavor, you're often get slapped down. Definitely. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of dangling carrots uh, that, that you can never get to. Uh, so at the end of the day, you know, you have to do it just because you really like it and you feel confident that you're good at it. So I, I would say it was very important to get that positive reinforcement from teachers and friends alike. In our job, we, often get slapped down all the time. And that's just what it's like to be an indie musician. Right. Um, and if you're doing it for fame and fortune, you're going to be sorely disappointed because it rarely happens. And so it is good to have that foundation of just, Hey, I'm doing this because this is what I love. Like, this is me. It, it, I feel free when I do this. I feel the most like myself and the most true. And if that's why you're doing it, mm -hmm then you can take all the slapping, you know? Um, I, unfortunately I did also learn a valuable lesson as a fourth grader. Um, there were some bullies in my school, uh, one in particular whom I won't name. Um, but I know her <laughs> Feel name. free to name names. I know her name. Time. She's probably a wonderful adult. A wonderful her person. name was Candace. I won't say the last name, but her name was Candace. <laughs> And All she right. would follow me around the school and tell me she was going to harm me because I had gotten the part instead of her. And she was very cruel to me. And I almost didn't continue to try out for parts because of that. You know, I learned that there are going to be haters. It was a really early time in life to learn that lesson, that there are going to be haters in your life and you have to decide whether or not you're going to let them steal that joy from you. I mean, we get our share of, of haters. Everyone does. Um, yeah. And uh, you have to look at it like, you know, well, I don't know what they're going through, but this is probably something about that in their life. And I mean, it hurts. It hurts, of course, when you have totally. that happen. But, you know, 
they're probably hurting and that's why they're doing it. So, yeah. I find that that's so true. Um, and, you know, so I, I teach middle school. I totally see the same thing all the time, right? Um, I see kids being mean to each other. It's hard to watch, you know? Yeah. Um, and the culture now is so different, right? Than it used to be concerning that kind of behavior. Um, but it still is this like fundamental truth to it that like people who feel the need to like go out of their way to detract, there's a need that's not being met there, right? Yes. And I think that's another that's another kind of truth to have to, to learn as well. So I wonder when you figured that out like certainly i don't know like for me as a kid i it would have taken me a little while to realize that somebody who's behaving this way towards me like there's some measure of pity i might actually feel for that person because there's like something going on there right did you have an understanding of that as a kid dealing with candace what's her name <laughs> what's her last name <laughs> uh, no I don't think that I realized that in the fourth grade I do have a very vivid memory of my mother taking me outside in the yard and throwing teaching me how to throw a punch and telling me to put your weight into it so that if she ever did try to actually physically harm me as she said she was going to that I could I could punch her uh, I never did I never did throw a punch um so no, I don't know that I figured that out till much later in life. Wow. So <laughs> <laughs> not Dude. my dad, my mom. Your mom, me which is punch. that's that's ball. I like that. That's yeah. Cool. yeah. 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 <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> That's so funny. Like, I, I totally remember my dad also, like, being like, oh, there's kids bothering you. Just beat them up. Right? Like, I think that that's not really a thing parents tell their kids to do anymore. No. Probably not. But, no. like, I, don't, where, I wonder where that changed. Do y'all have kids? I don't know. No. We don't have kids. No. We don't have kids. No. Yeah. You have kids? I do, yeah. How many kids? I have two. I have a, mm -hmm. a three and a five-year-old. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see, ever I, sleep? No. <laughs> uh, so can I, can we shift gears a little bit? Is that all right with you? Yeah. So I got a question and, and that is, um, y'all make uh, awesome indie rock music. Um, do you listen to, do you listen to any modern music? Anything currently coming out that like young kids are listening to these days? Huh. <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, that's a, yeah, that's a tough question. It's uh, it's, it is hard to uh, get a handle uh, on what, kids are listening to it's very different than we were kids because it was basically you listen to the radio or you watch mtv or vh1 um so it was like we were all exposed to the same small like, group yeah, of things you know? like everyone was always listening to the same things and i know that there's probably a lot of kids that are doing the same thing but uh you know we we enjoy lizzo we listen to a lot of lizzo uh, she has, I think she's badass. Yeah. Yeah. She has a lot of songs about empowerment. Kids, I don't know if kids yeah. still like Lizzo. She's yeah. probably, I don't know, but I think she's badass. Um, I think they and, do. Uh, I, mean, I don't know if kids listen to Brandi Carlisle. Um, she was just on <laughs> SNL. So I don't know. I mean, we love Brandi Carlisle, but a I don't know. A certain more intellectual to, child. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I try to think of who was on SNL because I don't know if that's things kids are know. listening to i don't know i feel like when um, i was when i was in middle school i was in like that transition period where i was stopped listening to a lot of things that my parents were listening to because when you were younger you know we didn't have our own phones and you know we were 
in a car we had to listen to whatever our parents wanted us to listen to. I feel like I was listened and enjoyed a lot of the soft sounds of the 70s that my parents <laughs> continually listened to. And, uh, you know, before it transitioned into, you know, listening to stuff that people my age were listening to. Um, but yeah, I would say I have no idea what like a typical eighth grader is listening to right yeah, now. What are, what are kids listening to? <laughs> and let me tell you, it's fucking weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, so I had this conversation the other day. I this would be interesting. I'm interested to get your impression on this. Um, there, there, kids are right now. <laughs> I sound like such an old man. Kids these days <laughs> are listening to. Um, this is not the only thing. I, I, and I am now generalizing. And of course, kids have. There are a lot of kids out there that I have that have excellent, interesting, diverse tastes. And you know, mm -hmm. um, but I've noticed that there are a lot of kids right now listening to. Uh, songs that are not at the regular speeds that they oh, yeah. Yeah. are supposed to be, right? They've been yeah. released already, and usually they're faster, right? They yeah. Because they have to fit into the time frame of that social media um, platform, right? Is that why? That's Is that how why? that started. Yeah. That That's what I've heard. heard. Yeah. I had a student who would just play this music on repeat. It was this uh, SZA song. Have you heard of SZA? She's like, yes. yeah. the artist. Mm -hmm. um, this SZA song, it's sped up. And I'm like, man, why are, these, why are these songs all sped up? And she just says, Mr. Nichols, it just hits different. It just hits different. And I'm like, I wonder what your impression of that. What, what do you think about that? I went down a rabbit hole recently because, you know, as, as recording musicians traditionally over the years releasing full length albums, there's a trend now to just do singles uh, because, you know, physical distribution of music is no longer a thing. So, you know, you have a single or one or two or three songs, you put them out there. A lot of uh, especially younger bands are releasing what they call a three pack of every song. So they have the song that they wrote and then the song that's sped up so that it is uh, fits in the confinement of a TikTok video. Uh, and then there's one that's just slowed down for some reason. And you can hmm. listen to all three of them uh, on, on the streaming platforms. Uh, it makes no sense to me. No, uh, I don't know if that means we're old. Yes. You know, um, yeah. I think it's. Uh, I feel bad for the artists that have to endure yeah. having their songs destroyed. <laughs> yeah. And I think maybe. I mean, maybe it does hit differently. Who am I to say? I mean, maybe that kid who said that to you really, maybe it really did hit them differently. I don't know. But I think that that's probably some sort of marketing thing that they've been told because no one wants to say we had to make it this short so it would fit on TikTok because we want you to consume it. Mm, sure. I mean, look, it, it also it makes me hurt inside, right? A yeah. I, won't, I won't lie, you know? Like, I want to be hip, and I want to, like, get it, you know? Yeah. But, like, I just don't. I know. And, and yeah. Melanie's, like yeah. you said, maybe we're just, maybe we're just old, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, maybe. Um, I mean, I, we have people come up to us all the time and say, you know, I don't know why you're not on uh, SNL. You're better than such and such, who I just saw on SNL. I don't get it. And, and, and you know, our whole career, we thought, well, they don't, they're old. They don't understand, you know, what's on <laughs> SNL. And now sometimes we watch it and we go, what is happening right now in this performance? I don't, what the fuck is going on? 
what the fuck is this? And we're like, holy shit, we're those people now. Like, we're like, oh my God. Like, we don't know. We don't understand why this person is successful. We are old. Who was the person? That uh, we, saw? we can't even remember his name, uh, but he was uh, a TikTok star. He was playing guitar and singing too. So like, we were thinking, oh, this this was like cool. within the last few months. Cool. He's uh, like, he's a musician. Like, right, so cool. right. Yeah. I mean, he sent me down this rabbit hole, though, with TikTok because he became famous on TikTok. And then he became uh, infamous on TikTok because the song that he had, quote unquote, released, everyone knew one verse of the song. uh, And then he released the full length version of it. And there was a he TikTok a video of himself doing it live. And everyone is singing along every single word. And then when he gets to the second verse, dead silence. And then he started berating the crowd saying, why aren't you singing along? Why aren't you singing along? Well, they weren't singing along because they had never, ever heard the second verse. Because the only time they had ever heard the first verse was on his TikTok post, which went viral for some Whoa. reason. Um, and he, his performance was like, to us anyway, it was as if someone had just woken him up and said, go out there and do your thing. And he was like, what? Where am I? And then he just like phoned it in with like the least amount of enthusiasm that anyone could ever muster. And like, I don't know, I guess that's good, but it, it was, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I just Google tried to Google who it was and I don't know. And it, it didn't come up. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Is... Google? I Googled TikTok star performed on SNL. I don't know, but it didn't work. It didn't work. I don't know. That probably describes everybody from the past, like four years. Uh, and like I, we wanted so badly to like him because he was playing an instrument yeah. and he was singing and, you know, he was a young guy and he, you know, we wanted to like it, but we yeah. just get it. We just didn't get it. Yeah. I remember having this conversation with a friend of mine in college who um, I think that he had just gotten off the phone with some older relative of his and they had gotten on the topic of uh, music. And they had said that some music that he was enjoying was not music. And we, and we had this like conversation about like, you know, what at, at the point where we're at, and this was in the, in, in 20, 2009 or so, um, at the point we're at, what, what will it be that we consider not music, right? Like what, what are we, when we're like cantankerous and old and shit, like what will we tell our like children that like that's, that's not, not music, music right? Yeah. I, I, I struggle to think of it for a long. I was like, well, maybe it's just gotta be like some weird like avant-garde, like kind of just noise, sound, shit, like ple- series of pleasing sounds. But like, <laughs> I would even call that music. I don't have a hard time yeah. calling that music, you know? Right. Um, but I think tracks that have been sped up for social media, <laughs> right? Like, that's closer to me to to, yeah. to to calling that, or yeah, or 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 music that is unrecognizable because it's been made for the confines of a really short video, right? Right. That's that's closer to me to that definition. Than, yeah. Yeah, because that is uh, marketing. Yeah. More right. Than exactly. Reasons. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I have a hard time getting to the point where I would think something isn't music, but it's the. The thing that it's losing for me is 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 all about resonance. Like if you I think they were trending now more towards songs actually being written to just be a minute or a minute and a half long. Sure. Which is to me not the greatest. Uh, but like, you know, if that's really all you know, then uh, 
then, you know, maybe then that's, that's fine for you. Um, I mean, songs, pop songs over the years certainly have gotten much, much shorter than they were in the fifties, sixties and seventies. Um, you know, and, and when pop music came along, it was criticized for being too short, not having the movements of classical music and, and, you know, and so forth. So it's a natural progression that it's getting shorter and shorter and more easy to just take for a minute and move on to something else, you know, Mm, quick little candy. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, this has been We Are Old with Harry. (laughs) We are old. That's what it is. That is what it is. artists musical artists that you idolized as teenagers and why do you think you idolized them <laughs> yeah i'm i mean i loved uh i loved david bowie uh i loved prince um i loved lenny kravitz um I feel like uh uh I mean, I always loved the Beatles too. I mean, it's kind of cliche to say you're a musician and love the Beatles, um, but I, yeah, I loved. Uh, I, I loved, mean, you have ears, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the thing that I liked a lot about uh, all those artists in general is that they were they were very diverse. Like they didn't have a very pigeonholed sound. I mean, some of them were the others. I mean, David Bowie, obviously, every album was a different concept album. And you listen to all of them throughout his career. And there's things that I enjoy in all of them. I don't love all of them. Um, you know, the same with the Beatles. The Beatles evolved a lot in their, in their musical career. And I, I don't know, I really res- respond to that. I don't like, uh, like when we write songs, I don't like when they all sound the same. And sometimes we've been criticized for that by industry folks that we, we weren't zero in, zeroing in enough on, on our sound. But we feel different on different days and we want to present ourselves differently. Yeah. And I kind of like that about a lot of those, a lot of those artists. Yeah. I would say um, I was definitely influenced by a lot of the adults in my life with the music that I consumed. And so I too, am a huge Beatles fan and I grew up listening to the doors and queen and um, my grandmother listened to a lot of old jazz. So I loved uh, Nina Simone and Billie Holiday and Etta James and Ella Fitzgerald and all that stuff. Um, so I definitely idolized all those people, especially a lot of the jazz singers. I grew up loving a lot of those jazz singers and still today, Nina Simone to me is like, she's the ultimate. Um, but I also, as a kid, I remember like, you know, as a as a younger kid, I remember like Whitney Houston coming out and thinking <laughs> she was the shit. So um, I don't know that her music still resonates with me, but her voice still to me, the tone quality of her voice is stunning. You can hear that in your singing. I think you can hear those influences for sure. Like there's a real soul to it. There's a real, there, there's at times like there's like a, those, a lot of those singers, particularly like Nina Simone, like there was like a grit to their voice that was like very good. Like we, it's a good sound. You know what I mean? It's powerful. It's cool sounding. Um, and I think you totally get that. Be-
musician you're basically inspired by anything you listen to not necessarily trying to emulate or copy them but sometimes you hear something in a song you're like oh i like the dynamic there I like how they yeah. dropped out or I like how they started the song with the chorus uh you know so every so often i feel like when we're stuck like you know a lot of times just pure inspiration brings forth like uh one really good part to the song and you don't know where to, where to go from there you can't just have the same thing over and over again repeating unless you're a TikTok star uh, <laughs> uh throw back there uh nice you know but often you know i feel like there's been many times where we're writing like you know something isn't working in this chorus what would the beatles do or you know what would tom petty do uh you know just the just kind of give yourself a reference a different way of thinking you know it's it's like having a really great vocabulary when you're writing if you're very aware of all these other kinds of things that other people did so it's not necessarily copying but uh you know i don't think we've ever tried to emulate one specific sound although we've had songs that we we were like you know this song should be produced more like a Beatles song or more like uh you know Cold something Play else yeah, Cold Play, yeah. song like we were, uh, we were actually just writing a song and um he's like well if this sound this is sounding like this and it was an idea that I had originated and I was trying to show him what I meant and so I'll say no no I was thinking of it more like a laid back groove like a Motown song you know that's the vision that I had in it and so sometimes we'll use those kinds of words just to help communicate our ideas to the other person who's complaining totally Well, I mean, so I, I usually finish up with just um, a hypothetical, if you will. And that is, uh, if you were to go back in time and uh, tell yourself something, what, what do you think you would say each? Uh, I would go back and say, believe all the things that your parents and teachers told you when you were very young. And that was, you can grow up to be whatever you want. Uh, and I feel like sometimes when you get older, the messaging changes a little bit into, well, maybe you don't want to take on that creative endeavor. Maybe you want to have a backup plan um, because I kind of fell into that. You know, I was really into theater and really into music. And uh, unfortunately, I was a very good math and science student. Uh, so uh, I, that part later in my education was more encouraged than uh than doing the uh more creative aspect which is fine i still love math and science uh not that people should not do those things but i feel like uh you know i set myself on that path because that was more of what i was supposed to do instead of what i wanted to do so if i could go back i would say 
maybe stick with what you want to do instead of what you're supposed to do. That's awesome. I don't know that I can answer that question. That, that's really great. Yeah. I, I wish I could. So I wish I that. could do that. <laughs> I relate to so much of every like what you just said. That's really great. So let's see if I can come up with something different. Um, I think I would tell myself um, that it's normal to be afraid um, to try new things. And it's normal to be afraid and nervous when you are growing. And so um, to continue to try to do those things and not let the fear hold you back from trying these new experiences because you never know what life has for you unless you try new things. Totally. Oh man. Yeah. So true. What did I could have actually both of those things. I feel like both of those pieces of advice are so good, Rich, like, you know, because especially like just total like sidebar, you know, like there's a lot of talk right now about the ways in which the sort of like the, the, the course, the, the course of life that we were all, no, the course of life that, that like a lot of our parents laid out for us that like they told us we should pursue, right? In many ways, it's not really like paying the kind of dividends that it was supposed to right. anymore, right? Like right. you saddle yourself with all this debt, you do all these things that are, yeah. Yeah. they're not the way they used to be, right? Right. Um, and so I think that there's like definitely a renewed value in maybe not taking on all that debt or maybe pursuing those creative interests if it because it could that could ultimately end you up a little freer later on too you know um and melanie i mean yeah i can't i can't think of a how many times i as a kid was like frightened of my own discomfort did you ever like get that experience where you were like oh my god all the time yeah (laughs) yes all the time i still do you know yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, 100%. No, great pieces of advice. Well, Rich, Melanie, this has been lovely. Thank you both so much for for sitting down with me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, yeah. Harry. Thanks for inviting yeah. us to do this. It was we great. Really it was great it. chatting with you. It's a, a very different questions than we normally yeah. discuss. Yeah. Cool. So it was right awesome. Yeah. yeah. Glad to hear it. Thanks okay. for doing all you're doing for the youths. Uh, the youths, yes. <laughs> Gravity